Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show for you. It's Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into our show, our phone lines will be open. 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Well, I'm pretty excited because it sounds like, or it looks like, on Monday we should be able to get back to planting again, put a little bit of corn in the ground last Saturday. In our region of the country, the first plant date for corn is April 10th for crop insurance, and the first plant date for soybeans is April 26th. So I'm hoping to plant some corn next week, then plant some soybeans the following week, just praying for dry weather for once. And at this point, the entire next week looks like no precip. So that would be phenomenal for our entire region. So let's just hope that uh, that actually turns out that way. Biggest thing, you know, it's it, it's kind of interesting when I tell a lot of people, we farm in South Dakota, we get on average 20 to 22 inches of total precip for the entire year. And I talk to a lot of farmers, especially those in the South, and they go, 22 inches? How could you possibly raise a crop even on that? And I go, well, yeah, that's for all 12 months, 22 inches. And we're usually too wet than too dry. <laughs> and people are like, what? How is that even possible? Well, how it's possible is we are really cold. That's how it's possible. Even at our hottest point in the year, the high temperature then is 86 degrees and the lows are in the 60s. So the overnight is never too hot. So we have actually a really good climate for raising certain crops, especially corn. We we don't get too hot. I don't worry about that. You know, there, there are a lot of areas where, oh, it's too hot at pollination. Yeah, we never have that. Um, in terms of getting the crops started, though, that's our real challenge. So when we plant, the soil temp will be below 50 degrees, either at planting or it's going to drop below 50 degrees at some point before that corn gets out of the ground and, and quite quite frankly, in a lot of cases, after it gets out of the ground too. So we just simply aren't going to have warm soils. So probably the biggest thing we talk about is how do we pop that corn out of the ground a little bit quicker? Same kind of deal with soybeans. We just have a challenging, we have challenging weather that we have to deal with, as does everyone when you get to the northern United States and up into Canada. But, you know, we make it through and everything is fine. Anyway, uh, Darren, anything else you wanted to start the show off with today? You know what? We've gotten so many Ag PhD mailbag questions, Brian. I'm ready to dive into that as soon as you are. All right, let's do it. All right. I love this because uh, the first question has a tissue sample and a soil sample as well. That's fantastic. I love it. We were just talking yesterday, I believe, on the show with Joe Sisko from Midwest Labs. He was talking about this, of what what he's doing on his operation is pulling some, some soil samples, pulling some plant tissue samples during the year just to see what the correlations are and what they can learn and how to move forward in the best way. And and that's exactly what Paul has done here. He's in southeastern Washington State. He said, I'm sending you a soil test and tissues test to get your opinions. Uh, FYI, the soil test is six locations across a 100-acre field. Tissue test is from two rows side by side, one that looked good, one that didn't look good. The recommendation for canola is not relevant. 
Okay. Oh, well, okay. It says recommendation on the backside. I got you. Okay. So basically the difference in those two spots, it looks like on your tissue test, was nitrogen and potassium. Now in both spots, the zinc was real low, and that's easy to figure out too based on what this soil test is telling us. So this is why we like to have both tissue tests and soil tests so we can see, okay, well, how does that kind of match up with what you got in the soil? And I can, I get it because like with potassium, you've got a range of, hey, we're at 4% base saturation K, which is on the bottom end, and we got 6.9% base saturation K, which is toward the top end. Well, I'm guessing where you've got that 4% base saturation K, that's maybe one of these spots that's not real good. In terms of nitrogen, yeah, I don't know if somehow that spot got missed or whatever with your applications, but you're just really low on nitrogen in the one spot that's bad. In terms of the zinc, what we're seeing in the soil test is 0.8 to 1.2 parts per million. That's just simply not enough. What we usually talk about is a 10 to 1 ratio of phosphorus to zinc. Got a lot of phosphorus levels here, 20, 30... 37 is the high. So obviously that means two, three, four parts per million we would like to see for zinc. So yeah, it's not a surprise to us. It's showing low in your plant tissue and it's very inexpensive to get that zinc up. You can throw zinc sulfate out there. What is it? 75 cents a pound or something like that. So it, it's just not much money. You go throw 10 pounds of zinc sulfate out, for example, you mostly solved your problem and you spent seven fifty an acre. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't amount to anything. So I would really encourage you to fix that. Hey, one other thing that I, I would mention to all farmers is take a look at your copper and boron levels. Like in his case, his boron is 0 0.2, 0 0.3. Now on the plant tissue analysis, guess what? Uh, the boron actually isn't terrible in one spot, but uh. it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not real good in another spot. You you can run your own test with boron. It is leachable, but in, in eastern Washington, you don't get a lot of rain, so usually we don't have as much leaching as we do in many other areas of the United States. So I would look at a little bit of boron, and copper is something that's huge for wheat. So in terms of copper, you look at your tissue analysis, and you go, yeah, it's it, it, it looks like it's pretty good. Yep. It's not terrible, but I keep bumping that. I try to get up to two parts per million on copper, and that goes for just about anybody listening today. I'd, I'd really encourage you, get your copper levels up. You're going to find much better overall disease tolerance is a big thing, and that can mean big-time yield some years. Other years, you know, you don't have a lot of diseases, so it's not that, that big a thing. But, yeah, get your copper levels up. Hey, one thing too, Brian, so we're looking at a Midwest Lab soil test here, and they ran a DTPA extraction on the micros. Mm -hmm. Look at the manganese levels. They're all really good. Yeah. And then look at the soil pH, mid-fives. So we've got a, a low pH. We see better manganese availability often. We also have a high level of potassium in there. Yeah, I think would, all those things came came working together. Yeah, for that we would we would want to bump that pH a little bit though. Mid fives is not real great for crop production. No, and that's what we wheat. see a lot in so southeastern Washington. Yeah, I know. Just bump it a little bit. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Adam, new drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines. Oh, it's in for the house. There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide, the broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The laser. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus, LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common-sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. That means our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head up uh, north of the border. We've got Philip with us right now. Philip, how's uh, everything going yeah. up there? Well, it's pretty rough, as you know, this pandemic. We never expected this, did we? No. So how is it impacting things locally for you? Well, it's rough, right? It's rough because uh, we're finding some farmers and their families have been tested positive for COVID-19, and that's rough enough because the challenge is to stay healthy. But then, of course, when you need parts or you need anything, you get it at curbside, and uh, social distancing is in effect and lockdown. So it's just, you know, it's it's made it somewhat difficult to uh, do what you do and though farmers are considered essential here in in Canada so you got to keep on but for for others who rely on offshore labor uh, it's even harder because uh, people are required to self-isolate when they come to uh, Ontario for two weeks and you know there's work to do so it's just a new thing for everyone. Talk to us about the grain markets and what's happening there and opportunities for farmers in Ontario as well. Well, as you know, <laughs> uh, with ethanol cratering along with gasoline with people not driving, it's, it's taken, taken away a huge component in the, corn, in the corn demand side of the market. And so we've had prices uh, that are a little bit lower than we like. The one redemption we have in Ontario, Canada, uh, is our lower Canadian dollar, which makes our cash prices a, a little bit more uh, pleasant looking than what you have in the States. But uh, we're very similar to what you have in Michigan and Indiana and Ohio. So how is that going to impact acres that go on the ground this year? Are there going to be some acre shifts happening? You know, the big thing that everybody's expecting, I know, is a switch away from corn just because of what's been happening in the corn complex. I'd expect about 2 million acres uh, in Ontario 
this year for corn. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, because I have had farmers call me and say, Phil, are you going to switch your corn acres back to soybeans simply because of what's happening and the demand side of the corn market? And uh, in my own particular farm, I'm not going to change over to soybeans, but I can understand why people are thinking that way because they're probably thinking that way right across the U.S. Corn Belt, especially after USDA came out and said they're going to have 97 million acres, even though that was before a lot of this all started. So what advice are you giving uh, farmers going into this season and how are you keeping everyone positive? I find it difficult. You know, frankly, I find it difficult. I mean, this thing is so negative. Uh, We have, uh, you know, over 1,300 deaths in Canada. And what do you got in the United States? Over 32,000. So, you know, and, and everybody's impacted because I've got farmer friends I know that that have been impacted relatives uh, everything has uh, shut down across the province so I I don't know I would take advice on that because I've you know generally I'm pretty positive person but this is pretty rough this is pretty rough yeah certainly are some challenges no question about it going into the spring we're talking to Philip uh, in Ontario Canada Philip thank you so much really appreciate having you on hopefully we'll get some more uh, positive things coming on through the show that'll perk everybody up I would love to talk to you guys when this thing's all over. We all want it to be over, and hopefully we'll get there someday and might take a vaccine to do it, but we want to get there. You bet. Well, thanks a lot, Philip. Really appreciate it. And thanks. Thank you very much. Bye. Let's head down to Wisconsin. we got Zach on with us right now. Zach, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you guys? Good, good. Uh, going into the spring here, how close is planting for your farm? Um. Well, we've tried planting a few acres of soybeans already. Um, just to see what kind of happens. But honestly, from heavy planting, probably at least a couple weeks for sure. Okay, I like your approach. Let's try and put a few things out there and just just give it a go, get the machines running and that kind of thing. The heavy planting's coming later. Why soybeans first, number one? And then number two, with those soybeans, when is your crop insurance date and, and when would you normally really pull the trigger on soybeans? Um, why beans? Because they can take the early season cold cold soil stress a lot better than corn. Um, I've always seen guys down south, mid Illinois, planting planting early early beans just to get that extra yield bump. Um, so I guess that's kind of why we wanted to try it up here, and we finally had a decent enough April where we could get out on the ground before uh, without having a bunch of snow. Our crop insurance dates April 26th. I know as soon as that hits, we're going to really roll on soybeans. But, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see some of these early planted beans this year, too. There's guys in our area that already have have a few acres out there just, just to see what happens. Yep, I think our crop insurance is right around that same area. I don't know the exact date, but I'm not looking to do a bunch of acres. just wanted to do it kind of a... Kind of a little test trial and see once what happens. If they if they go, they go. If not, I'm only out four bags. So what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no big deal. Okay, so how'd the planner run? How did everything go? Did you did you find some things and were you happy you got started early? Um, we planner ran good, and I mean, we just got a all it was. We got a little plot planner to do all of our little plots and stuff. We put quite a oh, few cool. inputs in Jenna and everything like that. So well, we just picked that up this year, and it was, everything was working good good as I expected it and got a few few things to change up on it but um other than that everything was was good to go on that so I was happy with that so what are you looking at with the plot planner you're just mainly looking at varieties and hybrids or are you looking at some different treatments too 
Um, so basically this year what we're looking at is um, a lot of hybrids. Um, they got quite a few hybrids coming out for 2021, I believe it is. So it'll be a lot of hybrids, but we're also going to do a couple of seed treatment trials and some fungicide trials and um, some fertilizer trials and stuff like that. So Very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I like I like the opportunity you get to do some of that stuff on your own farm and, and see it firsthand maybe before everybody else. Uh, that's really neat. Well, Zach, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you, and good luck here heading into uh, the heavier part of planting season coming up. Awesome. Thanks, you guys, too. Brian, I got an email from Marty and... He's down in Kansas. Marty said, I'm put, I put on an ounce of Sharpen and Dicamba 30 days ahead of bean planting. Now, if that breaks and I start seeing some pigweed ahead of my air seeder, can I spray as a burned down Metribuzin and a group 15 like Metallochlor ahead of the air seeder to burn down those pigweeds? I'm basically asking, will I lose some effectiveness of incorporating the Metribuzin and Dual with the air seeder? Uh, as opposed to laying it on top? No, you'll increase the effectiveness. So a lot of people don't, it, well, here, here's here's where this all stems from. A lot of the chemical companies over the years have told you don't incorporate it because how guys used to incorporate things was with a disc and you'd get it too deep and it gets streaky. If you're lightly incorporating it with, like for us on our farm, we use a field cultivator. You could use a drag, you can use a harrow, you can just use the drill, but get it into the ground and it's absolutely going to work better because now it's down where the weeds are. If it's if you don't do that, then you have to have rain to get it down to where the weeds are, and that usually takes more time and it's not as effective. So beyond that, I would just say you can put a group 15 out in front of soybeans. I prefer to save that for early post. So if it was me, I'd put a yellow down. Uh, I mean, let's, let's call it prowl or trifluralin, whatever. Trifluralin has to be incorporated pretty quickly. But yeah, you can certainly throw that out there with metribuzin. Here's my other question. Uh, we were just talking to a farmer in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, who's going to plant super early? He's going to plant like right now with soybeans. So my question is, when you did that first burn down, I'm just wondering why you didn't plant right away. So I, I find a lot of people, as we go south, do two burn downs, and that's always my question for them. I'm like, well, if the weeds will grow, then why don't you let the crop grow? Why don't you just plant a month earlier and go from there? So you know, you look that's what some, I do. You look at some of these crop insurance maps, though, and I'm amazed at how late some of the days are in the south, Brian. So it is a little different, and I don't know what elevation Marty's at. Maybe he's at a little higher elevation, well, sure. too. Sure. Yeah, I'm not saying absolutely for sure. I'm just saying I'm just going to ask the question, and well, maybe that's and, the answer. And to be fair, know. it's like Zach in Wisconsin. He just put in a few acres. Nothing big. He said, I planted four bags of soybean seed. No big deal. If it doesn't work yep. out, hey, I'm only out a couple hundred bucks. Yep. Who cares? But anyway, yes, to specifically answer the question, absolutely, you can put Metribuzin in a group 15 out, lightly work it in. I just prefer to save the group 15 for early post and use a yellow instead. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. 
Talk to your local retailer today to put fears to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Before it's too late and white mold becomes a problem, you need to ask your seed dealer for Heads Up Seed Treatment. When raising soybeans in the Midwest, you know the risk of being caught unprepared. As heard on AgPhD, there are several steps you can take prior to planting for a successful management plan against white mold. Compatible and cost-effective season-long protection starts now by asking your seed dealer to apply Heads Up to your 2020 bean seed order. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. We planted early February, we have all good emergence, and so far we can't find any condition that the wheels haven't worked. I can just say that. Closing the seed trench behind the planter is essential to establishing yields in the fall. Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer who is tired of seeing poor stands because of uneven emergence, the Germinator is here to give your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. For more information, visit us at farmshopmfg.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and it's Farmer Friday. That means we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. Have you got an agronomic question? Of course you do. You're a farmer, and you're going to put some crop in the ground here, or you have some young crop out there. Give us a call. We'd love to hear what you're debating on your farm right now, and hopefully we can help you out too. Let's head down to Louisiana next. Get David with us. David, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. So what's uh, the crop looking like down in your neck of the woods? Well, we have all our corn planted. It is up. The earliest stuff we planted is about at eight collars. Uh, we finished side dressing that, but the rest of it is popping out the ground and, and going pretty good. It actually has a good start to it. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know, when you think about that, you, you got a good jump. When are you going to harvest? When is normal harvest for you on that early planted corn? The early planted corn will probably come off the last week in July, first part of August, if we let it dry down really good. Yeah, that's... And we'll cut that at about a 19% moisture. So what do you do after that? Do you double crop in those acres with something? 
But some of them will come back with maybe a little bit of wheat or not if uh, we'll shred down the stubble. And if not a wheat crop, maybe try to plant a small cover crop on it um, and just prepare for next year. Yeah, I, so I, I always wonder. It's a long time to have nothing not growing. Oh, it is. It is. And I, I don't know what it's like to deal with the kind of heat that you guys get in, in that part of the summer, too. Is that is that the restricting factor that it might just be too hot for some things? Uh, for later in the year, there's a few things you can grow if you want to do a cover crop, but the heat can be a factor that time because you also have peak insect problems too. In August, you have your sting bugs hitting your soybeans, and you also have your uh, worms that will come out and, and do their damage. Yeah, we've talked to some other growers in the south about the insect issues that they have at that point. A lot of guys talk about wanting to have uh, Tricepta hybrids or or something with that above ground protection for some of those worms that are going to attack ears and that kind of thing. Do you, do you have any issues with the early planted corn? What are your biggest concerns? No, the early planted corn is really no issues um, for us. Actually, our earlier planted corn was a conventional corn. We kind of stepped away from some Roundup Ready and the generic are and just going back to conventional corn on about half our acres interesting and the later planted corn we are getting with do um the, the triple stack and stuff like that but sure. i uh, i had some ground that has not been in corn in 10 years and i was wanting to put it back and uh into a corn crop it was just hard for me to pay a whole lot for i you know 300 dollar bag of corn and some of your poor ground this doesn't pay so i found some good conventional varieties cheaper and i've got them in and they look really good so far now in our area a long ways north from you there are sometimes some premiums you can find or some different markets looking for conventional non-gmo corn do you have that opportunity in louisiana not so much you would have to go to the public uh, the smaller the person who wants to you know feed a few uh gotcha horses gotcha. or cows or something like that and, and but far as a, on a large not so much um we had some last year some people bought a little bit but far as a large is coming in and 18 wheelers moving it all out not, none of that yeah you just never know i i just always think about louisiana i think man it'd be it'd be cool to be closer to some of these ports and maybe there'd be some different markets and, and there oftentimes are but just kind of curious on that that conventional side. Uh, we're talking with David down in Louisiana. He's already got corn at V8. I'm a little jealous, David. Uh, appreciate talking to you today here. Stay safe the rest of this spring. Y'all too. Thank you so much. You bet. Let's head over to Alabama. We've got Sam on with us right now. Sam, have you got corn that far along? Uh, we've got. I, I couldn't hear him until just now. I don't know where he's at. Yeah. I, we've got some corn up, but... Uh, before I start, I'd, I'd like to pass on our uh, condolences and concerns for the fo folks in our, especially in our rural communities and, and our areas that are dealing with this, uh, this uh, virus and all the problems going our country's facing right now. And, I, you know, I, I, our hearts go out to all of those affected and, and uh just want to pass that along before we get into this more trivial stuff. Like no, I thank you, Sam. Reading, so. You're right. That is definitely at the forefront here. How about your area of Alabama? How are folks holding up? Well, it, it, it's it's we haven't had much problem here. We're 
we're rural and uh, there's been but every day we hear about more and more cases coming closer and closer the the rural hospitals are starting to report you know one two three this that and other and uh the the, the main hospitals in birmingham or and huntsville have had uh, uh some pretty good little outbreaks but uh nobody that we know personally so you know but we we're all on guard on the corn thing, let me tell you kind of where we're at. We we have been wet wet. We have probably worked over six or seven days since January. Other than oh boy. what wheat we sprayed, what wheat we sprayed has been, uh, you know, we sprayed it wet in just places we cut roots. But we've got our wheat fertilized a couple of different times and put on chemicals and uh, uh, fungicides once and. Uh, you know, with uh, with auto steer and uh, and uh, all of that, we basically run in the same track. So we just decided we're gonna make the mess and go on. But uh, does does the wheat look good? Got, does the wheat look good? Wheat Sam? looks wheat looks pretty good. We had a big frost here the last two mornings. I do not know how that's gonna affect that wheat. Uh, it our wheat had not started heading very well, but there's some heads. The flag leaf was out, so I don't know. We don't know where, what kind of damage we will have gotten out of that. Uh, the folks at Sweet was a little bit earlier than ours. Uh, I'm afraid they're going to suffer some loss from, because we had a we had a couple of mornings this week that had really big frost. We had uh, planted most of what corn we wanted to plant, or we had planted in all the fields we wanted to plant. To put it that way. But we probably out of those fields, we probably got 150 acres of wet spots. It's just and it would nearly get dry enough, and then it rains again. And uh, the corn's up. It looks a little, uh, it's coming up pretty well, uh, especially the first days planting. And uh, uh, the red ground, the more warmer soils are up much, you know, pretty good. Uh, the, the grayer, cooler land is having a little bit more problems. But uh, I, I think the corn will be fine other than, well, we're going to have two different ages if we if we are able to ever get in and plant those spots. And some of them, some of them be big enough that if we don't get them planted in corn, we'll drill them in beans. But sure. a lot of those spots will be small, and they're going to really take away from yield. You know, it might be a 24-year-old planter, and it might be two passes 100 feet long, you know, and that's going to be a, that's you know, out in the middle of a field or around a, wet hole and uh so it's gonna be it's just been a real tough spring to uh, to get going around here especially in the in the wetter natured soils like we farm we farm some river bottom land and some creek bottom stuff and it's it's just been harder to get it dried out well that sounds that sounds like 2019 for us sam that's exactly what we were facing (laughs) just wet 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 and it just kept coming now our long range here for the next week or two looks like we're going to be dry. So if we get if we luck out and that's the case, we're going to be in the field on Monday rolling on planting. But, but yeah, it can sure go the other way too. And like you mentioned with the river bottom ground, yeah, there isn't a whole whole lot of forgiveness there. <laughs> well, well, Sam, uh, it's good talking to you. I'm glad to hear uh, you guys are doing good down there in Alabama. Hopefully, this virus thing stays away from you. It's a bad time of year for that to be going around in these rural areas too. But appreciate talking to you and good luck this spring. Well, I appreciate the call, and uh, 
I had actually even thought about maybe buying some of that red machinery because it's, <laughs> it's made, it's made, oh, man. It's made so light. It's made so light, <laughs> it would probably float across these. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> this, this real stuff's having a little problem. <laughs> all right, well, thanks a lot, Sam. I'm glad you still have your uh, sense of humor you. through all this. That's good. <laughs> oh, man, Sam in Alabama's a hoot. Uh, all right, uh, talking about whatever you want to talk about today. It's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima Fungicide, Swift Activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima Fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima Fungicide is not registered in all states. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. The Guardian Air Twin Spray Nozzle from Hypro produces a twin spray pattern with air-inducted droplets for superior coverage, even in dense canopies. Be effective and efficient with your spray application this season with the Guardian Air Twin. Hypro, helping you spray better. How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands, the Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, talking to growers all across the country and, and across Canada. We would love to chat with you as well. 
Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Heading out to California, you got Matt Sliger with us, RiceFarmingTV.com. you got to check Matt out. Matt, how's it going? It is going great. Thank you very much. The sun is shining. It's a breezy 75 degrees. We've got five tractors running. We're preparing our soil. We're going to plant the 2020 rice crop. Excellent. Excellent. What's your normal target date for planting? Well, we want to start working ground April 1st. The bulk of our work is preparing the soil and putting down the fertilizer. Therefore, we hope to seed about May 1st. So we're right on track. Now, when you mentioned fertilizer, talk to us about fertilizing a rice crop. What are you doing? How do you do, you do variable rate? Or is that even possible? What? How is this managed? It is possible to do variable rate. That would be ideal. And what we do first off is uh, with an, what we call an aqua bar, is inject aqua ammonia about three inches deep into the field. And depending on our yields last year, high spots, low spots in yield, we will then use that variable rate to precision pinpoint where our fertilizer is going. That aqua ammonia three inches deep, that's to really give the young rice plant a boost as it's growing to help get its leaves out of the water because, of course, it's flood irrigated. So once the roots reach three inches deep, it gives it a nice little push. But then after the uh, aquabar application of that aqua ammonia, we will roll on to the surface of the soil uh, nitrogen NPK blend um, that is to give it the initial pop. That usually isn't variable rate. We just apply kind of a, uh, a set amount depending on the field, depending on the soil, depending on the variety of rice. A lot of factors go into it, but that is essentially our ideal fertilizer application. Now, is this rice going back into rice ground, or is there a crop rotation involved? Rice in northern California, which is on around 500,000 acres in the north state, northern Sacramento Valley, it is a monocrop. So it's rice on rice on rice year after year. Okay. So then the question is, what about that rice straw? I know you've posted some videos about baling some of it up. How well is that broken down by the time you're out there in April working the ground? Right. We I did do a video on that, and it's either baling, burning, or burying, the triple Bs. So baling helps get the rice straw out of there for sure. Burning does as well. Uh, burying is a little bit more mm, costly takes more time. What we do is chop the straw into smaller pieces, till it into the ground, open the ground, mix it in with the soil, then flood irrigate it, and that helps it decompose over the winter. Either way, whether you burn, bury, or bale, we're getting rid of the, the rice straw quite successfully. It just depends on how much work you want to put into it, how much overhead you want to put into it, but either one of those three options is great. However, with burning, we are limited to only being able to burn 20% of our total planted acreage. That's an air quality control measure, and that we use to target specific fields that have a lot of disease pressure like fungus or insects during the growing season. We'll target that for our burn. We get a lot of questions about different crops and, and what happens, and uh, Matt's a great example of just getting information out. You can go to his website, ricefarmingtv.com. So if you're out there working fields right now, can we expect new episodes to be popping up soon? Absolutely. I just posted a, a new episode yesterday on my YouTube channel, also RiceFarmingTV.com, or, or also RiceFarmingTV. The website will go there as well. But yeah, we are, we've are we got our five tractors running tillage discs 
preparing the soil for fertilizer, and it'll be flooded. Then what's going to be really amazing in a couple of weeks, we fly our seed on. A lot of people are, are surprised about that, but we have the ag pilots, the ag planes that swoop down over flood irrigated fields and just fly on the seed. It's a beautiful sight. Yeah, I just retweeted a post with somebody aerial applying seed that way yesterday, and I think it's pretty interesting just seeing how some of this is done. Um, talking with Matt Slager again here out in California. Matt, thank you so much. Really appreciate what you do. Appreciate you getting the word out about how farming is done. I know a lot of us uh, farmers who aren't posting things all the time like you are really appreciate that, that somebody's putting that information out to communicate things to the general public. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you for giving me the platform to explain a little bit about California rice. I appreciate what you boys do. You guys take care. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Uh, let's head to Oregon. We've got Josh with us right now. Josh, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? Well, we're doing well. We're doing well. What's happening on your farm? Uh, just spraying some uh, Kimfala right now. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so I understand you got a, a question a little bit about uh, fertilizing, perhaps. Uh, yes, um, we're think we're uh, probably in the process of uh, buying a uh, oh a, a coulter uh, to shank our uh, fertilizer in because we we've been putting all our fertilizer up with our seed anhydrous, and sometimes we since everybody else is doing it in the area running out of anhydrous and possibly waiting we've waited up four or five days to get more anhydrous so we're trying to get that off the drill so we can fertilize either in the spring or right before that uh, uh, before we seed in September uh, my question is on for some micros uh, we put dry on with our uh, as a starter and it has some zinc in it and I'm getting probably roughly half a pound of zinc per acre on that and also I was with that coulter I was gonna put some uh, a liquid zinc in it with some uh, some other mixes with liquid anhydrous and i'm thinking about a half a pound of zinc because i'm low in zinc probably almost average three to five pounds of uh on average of our solo test is that uh am i on the right path of doing that trying to build my zinc levels up or even more on Okay, so I guess first of all, Josh, I'll just tell you our concern with the zinc is it doesn't move in soil. It's where it basically is going to stay where you put it. If you lay it on the surface of the soil and you eventually work it in, well, now it will get down into the ground. So that's typically what we do when we are very low. Like you said, you're low on your soil test. So we'll go out there, go out there with zinc sulfates, dirt cheap, and we can go from one or two parts per million and bring our levels up where they need to be. In a lot of cases, it's five, eight parts per million, something like that. So we're in roughly a 10 to 1 ratio with our phosphorus. So that's usually what we do. We don't have any issue with liquid zinc. That's fine. It's just we use that mainly to feed the crop. So we kind of look at what's the crop going to remove, and we'll put that much liquid zinc on. But in terms of trying to build that, that becomes a challenge. The other thing, when you start talking about deeper injection, like with a coulter, is how often are you doing this, and what what are our row spacings? So where I'm going with this is, if I'm on 10-inch rows or 7-inch rows, and I've got my coulters only every 30 inches, that would be a concern. So, I, I mean, what's your what's your situation with that? Uh, we're it's, we're gonna get a 15 inch coulter. Okay. Um, we're looking to inject probably 
four to five inches deep, um, sure. and our drill spacings twelve. Okay. Twelve inch spacings. Yep, but what's going to end up happening at some point? You're going to be directly in between those rows with. A, I mean, and it all depends on how much fertilizer you're putting out there. If you've got a high testing field and this is only a portion of your nitrogen and a portion of your zinc, it's not as big a deal. But what I worry about is the waviness that you're going to see across the field. As far as that, that zinc? Uh, yeah. So is it just zinc or you? I thought you were talking about putting some nitrogen on that way as well. Yes, yeah, so we're going to put uh, all our anhydrous down with it and with a uh, probably thiosol. Uh, 12 odd 26 with then I was in a mix like a micro package with that thiosol uh, to get the start bumping up our sulfur because we also get sulfur through our dry when we're putting our seed too and our starter package too. Sure. Would you end up going with the rows or would you go at an angle? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, my first <laughs> thought was at an angle, but yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the the challenge with the angle is now you might not have the perfect seedbed, but the advantage to the angle is you're not going to be as far away, or hopefully you're not as far away from any plant out there. But yeah, I just worry about streakiness. So we, we deal with a lot of guys at strip till, for example, and then every other year, in effect, they're, well, they're 30-inch rows and they go in between, so they're 15s. And if you have 10-inch or 12-inch like you're talking about, I just worry about the waviness. If you got any more questions hang on for us stay tuned we'll be right back worried about glyphosate resistant weeds and grasses in your corn unleash the power of new impact z herbicide and get the early post application advantage you've been waiting for save three dollars per acre when you combine impact z with a qualifying insecticide purchase go to buy to save three.com for details buy to save three is a service mark and impact z is a trademark owned by amvac chemical corporation all rights reserved impact z is a restricted use pesticide always read and follow label instructions this is a seed bag this bag is made of craft paper with a cellophane liner and provides nothing for seed growth. This is a seed bed. It was prepared with Case IH soil management tools. It optimizes everything from nutrient access to water infiltration to create the perfect environment for early uniform emergence. Get to know why your seed bed drives productivity at caseih.com slash soil management. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Your land is a legacy, a challenge from those who tended it before you to build on their foundations. At Corteva AgriScience, we understand what it means to be the stewards of a legacy. 
we embrace the challenge of building on the foundation of Dow AgroSciences to maintain your trust, to bring new solutions, to help you care for your land. See how we can help build your legacy at rangeandpasture.com. Challenging field conditions often make harvest difficult. Can your cornhead handle it? The GTS X10 Cornhead from AgraUS is a rugged, cost-effective alternative to heavier, more traditional heads. Constructed of durable yet lightweight aluminum, the X10 puts less strain on your combine without losing harvest effectiveness. And it is 40% lighter than traditional heads, reducing field compaction in those less than ideal conditions. For more information, give us a call at 8334-AGRA-US. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today. If you've got a question for us or anything you'd like to talk about on your farm, got a little bit of time yet today, 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. So before the break, we were talking to Josh from out in Oregon, and he just said he's trying to basically split things up. He's been putting anhydrous on with or basically at planting before, wants to get it off that, and now we're looking at coulters, dropping stuff in four or five inches deep. And my concern I had I had just expressed is, boy, if you're going to go every 15 inches with this and your seed's every 12 inches, I'm just worried about streakiness you may end up having over the field. So a lot of times when we're in that boat, Josh, what we will do is, and we used to use a tremendous amount of anhydrous, but there you're talking about shortages out there. Out here, a lot of people have just dropped it. You can't get it at most places anymore. So we've kind of had to go away from that. But what we would do is we'd put some anhydrous out and then we'd put some liquid with 28% out on the surface of the soil, and that kind of evened out that waviness that we would very often get with our anhydrous. Okay. So, I mean, it's just it's it's just another option for you. And certainly, you know, the other thing when it's wheat, we talk a lot about stream barring and getting some out there a little bit later. You, you have options. But, yes, I am a little concerned about streakiness in that field. Now, coming back to answer your zinc question, if it's me and I'm several parts per million low, then I'm probably going to go zinc sulfate. But in the meantime, I'm absolutely, just like you said, I'm going to put some zinc out there. I might not go quite half a pound, but I might, I, I might, I might go quarter pound or whatever. I, 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 I'm all for putting some out. So I think that's all great. And a micro blend, that's great. It's just when you mentioned the word or you said the words building my soil, we usually prefer building with dry because it's so much cheaper than building with liquid. Okay. All right. Any any um, other questions you got? Yes, I have one more question sure. on uh, Valor. Yep. Um, we, nobody's really used it around here or, or heard of it, and I listened to you and you, you talk it up, so I decided to try it. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, really impressed what it did because I sprayed a I sprayed a, a, a one load of just a three ounce rate uh, this last fall. Okay. Like late November. All right. Uh, night and day. Night and day difference. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, I I tried it a couple weeks ago in the spring to see how that does. But my question is, uh, as far as uh, is there any difference between the name brand and a generic, as far as the Valor? No. No, there isn't. The only thing that I'll tell you, like this year, for example, is name brand Valor is in with Bear 
in their Bear Plus rebate program. So if you had other Bear products you're going to buy and you match that up with the Valor, it makes the val it can make the valor cheaper than the generic but otherwise yeah flumioxazin is the same whether it's the name brand or the generic whatever you can use whatever you want traditionally for the last 10 years we've been able to buy on our own farm valor name brand cheaper than valor generic than the generic because of all these different rebate programs that either bear or monsanto have had tying together with valent now the the other question I had for you when you talk Valor, I assume we're, we're talking on your Chemfallow stuff here, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a good one. I know Darren talks it up even more than I do, but yes, we, we do really like Valor in that Chemfallow situation. It can absolutely hold things down for a long time. So I'm glad you saw some difference with that. Yeah. You, you could, uh, there's one spot that was really heavy sheet and it's on a steep hill and uh, you could tell like, to the spot where the square slid and there's a skip and it's heavy cheat with no cheat on each side. I was pretty impressed with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I hate skips out in our fields. I get mad at our guys sometimes, but every once in a while I'm really happy that we have that because then you can see, oh, I guess the herbicide does really pay because I know you're probably the same way as I am. I'm, I'm, I want to cut costs as much as I can, but when I see that much difference, it's kind of hard to go away from it once you see it. Yeah, and I've been letting, I'm I mean, I bought four or I guess forty pounds, and this is the. I mean, I had to pay pretty expensive because I was doing. I did bought it for two loads, so I had to pay a premium. But sure, now I see the results. I can break it at cheap. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Valor has come down in price. The generics come down. The name brand, by the time you figure the rebate in, has has come down. So, yeah, there are some good deals on that. And I would assume as you go into this coming fall or whenever you're going to do any chem fallow stuff, uh, hopefully you'll be able to get a lot better by. Well, hey, Josh, thanks a lot for calling in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right, let's go next to John out in Maryland. John, how you doing today? How you doing? I just, I just, uh... I just got the planter to stop for a second so I can talk to you and throttle it down a little bit. <laughs> All right. What what are you planting? Corn. All right. How are you coming? Yeah. It's going. It's uh, you know, it's it's been cold the past couple of days, but uh I, th- I don't know. John, I think John, I think your definition of cold and my definition of cold might be slightly different. How cold's it been for you? <laughs> uh, you know, 40 degrees. Okay. Uh, I think we had frost this morning, though. I think, I, I think it's frost this morning. So. All right. So, so, so what can we do for you? What do you have for a question for us? So, yeah. So, I've been listening, I listen to your show all the time on the SoundCloud when I have a, when I have a chance. Oh, thanks. When I get in the machines. And I'll tell you, that's the greatest resource. If you're listening, you don't have SoundCloud, get it. This show is awesome, and you will learn so much. But, anyhow. So, I was listening to the sulfur piece. Yep. And you guys were talking about sulfur, and I, and I got... I got a question for you about sulfur. Sure. Um, we're running sulfur in our drive for our fertilizer for corn. Yeah. And and I know that, and then I was looking at the price of, of ammonium thiosulfate versus ammonium sulfate to drive versus the liquid. Yep. And it's really not that much of a difference in my area. Okay. And so I was wondering if, if we cut, if we changed our ratios from our drive where we're putting out, I think we're putting out, I'm not sure, I, I had it written down, I think we're putting 50 pounds out. Um, pre in a dry, and then we're coming back and top dressing some out there. But the ammonium thiosulfate, I be, it's my understanding that the, nit- the nitrogen 
is in the nitrate form, and that's less volatile, or it doesn't volatize as much, and, and I could be completely wrong on that. But I was just wondering if that's true, if we could change our ratios to run the sulfur later, that way we have less of a chance of volatization later in the year when it gets hotter and there's more of a chance for volatization when we top dress. Okay, so in, in terms, all right, so I understand where you're going now. Uh, um, I'm not that worried about the volatilization with ammonium thiosulfate or ammonium sulfate in the first few days. But eventually, you, you are going to have some risk. It's the same thing even with urea that's the worst for volatilization. You've got two days and you're good. But after right. that, you, you, you start running a tremendous amount of risk. Now, there are ways to counteract well, well, that. Oh, go ahead. Well, where I'm going with this is if we run the ammonium thiosulfate heavier yep. during top dress, then we can, we can cut back on some of the UAN, which has the urea in it, and then we're getting more nitrate in our ratio later in the season. I'm fine with that as long as we make sure that our plants are fed all the way along. So right. in your case, you're dealing, I'm sure, with a lot lighter soil. I know you have a lot more rain. Is this irrigated or non-irrigated? Non-irrigated. Okay. So that gets to be my concern. When you start talking about heat, then all these things happen faster with volatility and everything else than it is going right. to for me. So what I generally tell guys is if you see there's a great chance of rain this weekend, spend your week getting all your fertilizer out there, then get it rained in. Well, now you're in fantastic shape. So that's the only concern I would have is if you say, I'm going to push more to later on, that's fine, but you better get rain. It, this has happened us before too. See, we're in an area of the country where we get, we might go a month, month and a half without rain. Well, now we're, we're dead. So we, we got to stay on the early side of things. So yeah, just don't cut too, too much early on, but I have no issue going a little bit later and, and, and a bigger rate. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. I guess I was just asking if, if I could mitigate risk a little bit better by upping my nitrate ratios by using ammonium thiosulfate in my top dress and, and, and rather than and giving it just enough at planting to get enough sulfur into the plant because you know they don't use much before v7 and i was just wondering if maybe if i if i raise my nitrate ratio later i would have less risk of volatilization i don't know that you're gonna you're going to reduce it all that much i, I i'm okay. i'm probably more worried about hey i don't have enough nitrogen i don't have enough sulfur early because sometimes I think we, we sell ourselves short in thinking, oh, my yield goal is 200. Well, maybe I could have gotten 230 and I could have done better. So just make sure that you aren't ever running your plant short. Hey, John, we get a run, but thanks a lot for the phone call. Really appreciate it and best of luck to you this year. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. We always love Farmer Fridays. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.